From Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Hello and welcome in. It is the Monday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Drew at the controls. Bill Cameron is on campus reporting live on assignment. As Drew hands me something we'll talk about shortly. Never won anything before, Drew. It's very strange. It's very strange to be ambushed with this news uh, regarding... Uh, any, anyways... Uh, so, so it's the it's the Monday edition of the drive. A busy time in sports, and we're going to talk about as much of it as we can. As Auburn men's basketball saw their season come to an end over the weekend, the NCAA tournament uh, advancing to the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, as we get closer to the Final Four, men's baseball or, or um, uh, women's basketball had a, a WNIT victory. Uh, they will play. Is it tonight? I think it is tonight. The uh, the, the game in the next the next round of the WNIT baseball open the conference season uh, with uh, three uh, challenging games in Fayetteville, Arkansas, against the Razorbacks. We will talk uh, about uh, the the. Uh, the, the way Auburn will respond after uh, opening conference baseball 0-3 with Auburn outfielder Justin Kirby as part of Tiger Takes a little bit later on. And we'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Uh, the drive, uh, that, that's the, the hotline brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. Uh, you can uh, call the hotline. You can uh, text the show, 334-564-1840 on the drive text box, presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors. You can also... Uh, you, you can also listen to the podcast presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. We'd love to hear from you, but right now we're going to check in with Bill Cameron, who is joining us on the phone from Auburn's campus. Bill uh, was uh, uh, Bill was was listening in on Hugh Freeze's press conference about a half hour ago. Bill was also in the house for both. Did you go to? Did you go on Saturday too, Bill? You did, right? You, oh yeah. You, you were there for both oh, yeah. games. Over the weekend, as Auburn uh, competed in the NCAA tournament, uh, eliminated by Houston on Saturday in a thrilling game, a tale of two halves. Uh, but let's let's bring uh, let's bring Bill in. Uh, Bill, what's up? Yeah, it was uh, that that was sixty minutes of uh, of really fun basketball, and then there was the last twenty. But uh, yeah, I was there, I was there for all of that, and as a matter of fact, I was um, uh, over here as as Hugh Freeze met with the media for a little bit. Um, Give you a couple of quick highlights because once again he's invited us to go ahead and go on in and watch practice for the um, for them for most of the next hour. So so we'll get a little extended viewing period here. But I will tell you that a couple of the things he said, um, he's pleased with the way things have gone. There's some injured players right now. Tate Johnson out for the rest of the spring, um, and that uh, Malcolm Johnson also out. Um, for the rest of the spring. But other than that, just a bunch of uh, players that are banged up a little bit but uh, should be back 
Um, concerned with his play from the quarterbacks thus far, just their execution and understanding where the ball should go and what they should be doing. He was pressed on that three or four times and finally said, no, if he had to name a starting quarterback now, he didn't know what it would be, but uh, was was not happy with that. And then uh, asked about leaders. He said uh, Tate Johnson, Elijah McAllister, Jason Jones, and the tight end. And that's pretty much the highlights from uh, from Hugh Freeze asked him about I asked him about the Jacks and the linebackers. He said linebackers have been uh, um, he'd been pleased with them thus far. So yeah, I just wanted to call in. Um, thought I'd be on for a little longer time, but yeah, I was I was there for the whole time. I'll be in for the second hour, but I'm going to go out with everybody else now and see what we can see here from the first day after their scrimmage like activity. He did say they will be scrimmaging this coming Friday. They're going to be hitting a little bit more. All right, so that's Bill Cameron. Thought we would uh, thought we'd have Bill for a little bit longer, but it sounds like Bill is going to, in fact, go and uh, meet with the uh, and, and we'll talk to we'll talk to Bill in, in hour number two. But he's he's going to go join the uh, the uh, the Auburn football media as they watch an extended stretch of practice, and, and he'll report back in hour number two with everything uh, that he uh, uh, that he got to see in the meantime. And, and when we talk to Bill in hour two, uh, he will tell us about uh, his experiences going to Birmingham as well uh, as, as uh, credentialed media and getting to watch Auburn against uh, Iowa and uh, see Auburn's matchup in the round of 32 against Houston. A, a lot has happened in the NCAA tournament since the last time we did the show, Purdue was still alive. I was thinking about this, Drew. Like Purdue was still in the field. The you know when we when we went off the air on Friday. So to think about, I mean, I, I know people are saying like by the numbers, it's the biggest upset, and maybe it is in, in the history of the tournament, uh, considering you know Purdue was a. a Overwhelming favorite uh, to uh, to Fairleigh Dickinson, uh, who advanced to the round of 32, eliminated uh, by FAU uh, yesterday. But but just I was on I was on the Max Roundtable earlier today, uh, talking with Doug Amos, and the the NCAA tournament is consistently the for the first four days are I mean it's one of the best stretches if if you like basketball, it's one of the best stretches to be a sports fan. Uh, that there is because there, there's there's so much happening and uh, the, there's there's constant. I mean, it's, it's not just constant action, but but unexpected uh, finishes and and you know unlikely heroes and all, all that great stuff uh, that you get in in sports and in drama. And uh, the first four days of this tournament over delivered on that sort of stuff. I mean, we got in most most years. Princeton would be the big story. Like it would be, and, and by by far, like m- most years of this tournament, a uh, a team, a 15 seed like Princeton, w- would have captured the imagination, and it would be you know the thing that people remember more than just about anything else. But we've had so much. Fairly Dickinson, of course. Uh, we've we had. Uh, Musselman taking his shirt off again uh, because they were uh, they're they're celebrating Arkansas uh, beating Kansas. I'm really struck by the way Tennessee has picked themselves up off the can. I I was completely wrong about the kind of tournament. It was close against Louisiana. It was closer to the Duke game, as a matter of fact, that the Tennessee Louisiana game. But they are Tennessee is looking great. And think about this, Drew. Tennessee. 
if, if they were to win two games and if Alabama were to win two games, those two teams would meet in Houston in the Final Four, which, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it shouldn't have been Alabama encountering another SEC team somewhere along the ride, you know, shouldn't have been totally surprising to people, but yeah, it might, might be the volunteers, depending on what happened. Tennessee is favored against, I was just looking at the lines for, for Thursday and Friday. Tennessee is favored against FAU. And then, uh, the other side of that bracket is, who would be the other team in the Tennessee game? I think it's, um, is that, that's, that's the Michigan State, Kansas State region. That's Madison Square Garden. So, so Tennessee is actually, Tennessee's favored to be the, to be the team uh, coming out of that regional, so we we might get that as as a matter of fact. We'll talk. I mean, lo- love to hear your thoughts on, on the Auburn game uh, and and the the way the season ends uh, for Auburn as uh, as we uh, you know we'll, we'll talk more about that when Bill Cameron comes back in hour number two. But I'd love your thoughts as oh we're we're getting Bill back. Okay, excellent. Well, let's let's you know what? let's yeah let's bring Bill back then. Yeah, Bill, you're, yeah. you're back. What's up? I thought you were you're going yeah, out there well, to watch practice. Well, uh, well, I am, but I thought here's what I can do. Since I mean, right now they're just they're just sort of warming up and things like that. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure I got it cleared with Shelly. So everything's fine. She said as long as I'm not recording some video and describing what they're doing, it's okay for me to be on the phone. So hey, I can be on the phone while we're here. I can give you a you know occasionally a little tidbit, but I mean this way, I thought yeah, we we've got so much to talk about. Are you gonna um, as you? Are you going to go up to other beat writers and make them appear on the show too while you're while you're out no. there? Like you going to go grab flag down? Well, I guess I, I guess I could. Yeah, I, I guess mean, I get, I get be mad. I mean, you know, he was uh, he was just he was walking along behind me a minute ago. But, it is uh, Monday. It is Monday. Maybe maybe Matt, right. maybe Matthews does a segment in hour number one. I'd love to know his thoughts on the on the basketball game. I'll tell you what, Bill. We're going to take. I was just talking about some of the other things that happened in the NCAA tournament before we take a break. Aside from Auburn, Houston. What is is something or a couple of things that have really stood out about the first couple of days of the NCAA tournament for you? Well, it's it's it's, it's so much more of what we had thought really all along all year. The parity in college basketball. I mean, uh, uh, you know, you have two number one seeds left there at a Houston team, but I mean, they struggled in their first round. Alabama has been the the only top seed who has played you know consistently well. I think they've won five straight games now by double figures, and so they are the Odds on favorite to win it, but I mean the way we've seen things go here uh, through the tournament, uh, I think it just shows you that anybody with an off night um, could get beaten. Uh, maybe with the exception of Alabama, but I think that's what it is. It's just uh, it's crazy. It's it's made for a wild tournament so far. Certainly, and Alabama's favored at the moment, but. Right. If Houston can get through, I think Houston's going to be a tough out, especially in Houston. You know, if they can advance to the Final Four. UCLA has been impressive through two games. That UCLA-Gonzaga game on Thursday I think is going to be a really, really good one. And, Bill, I was totally wrong about Tennessee, but, boy, were they impressive against Duke. They just suffocated them. I mean, that's the thing. They had That's what, what had been so uh, crazy is it, it, it appeared that they had, you know, stopped being the, um, the outstanding defensive team that we'd seen all year long. They'd given up, you know, plus – 75 plus points but they just uh, i mean they just manhandled duke duke uh they took the lead there late in the first half duke made a run and tennessee just sort of went no put them away and they're just so much more physical uh they and and that really showed i thought and and yeah the sec the the three teams the sec has remaining you feel like i mean we talked about alabama but i mean tennessee and arkansas look like 
you know, they could make deep, deep runs as well. Well, Bill, if if uh, Tennessee is is right now, they're favored to win the East Regional of the four teams going to Madison Square Garden this weekend. Tennessee, FAU, and then Michigan State, Kansas State. If Tennessee wins the East Regional and Alabama wins uh, the South Regional, it's Tennessee-Alabama in Houston. Right. And what a Final Four game that could be. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. I mean, um, that's two really good defensive teams. That's one thing I don't think Alabama gets enough credit for is how well they play defensively. But uh, the Alabama firepower against the Tennessee defense, um, yeah, that that would be another one. I mean, the, uh, the, the SEC is, is doing pretty well despite, you know, what Kentucky and Auburn fans are feeling right now. Sure, and, and, then, and then the Arkansas and UConn is going to be a great game as well. What, what a performance by Arkansas to, to get by Kansas and Eric Musselman in the Sweet 16, third year in a row, with a chance to go to the Elite Eight for the third year in a row. And, and maybe, I mean, that, that Vegas regional feels like a total toss-up. UCLA, Gonzaga, Arkansas, and UConn, I think those are four teams that could go really far. You yeah, know, I think the, any of those four, any of those four could. Like, not they could. Any of those four teams could win the next two, and maybe a game after that. Like, and yep, and, and you know that that's 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 how balanced that one is. I've I've liked UCLA for a while, but UCLA Gonzaga feels like a coin flip, and then the winner of that game against the winner of UConn and Arkansas feels like a coin flip as well. I, I think we're going to get two great games on Thursday, and then the, the winners play on on Saturday to decide the final four. We'll talk some more Auburn Houston. When we get back, because we've just sort of scratched the surface on, on the last Auburn game of the year. But, Bill, you were there. I watched it. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk some more about that when we come back. You are listening to the Monday edition of The Drive. Stick around. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Monday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Drew at the controls. Bill Cameron on campus watching football practice as Auburn continues spring practice uh, with uh, with another scrimmage on deck for uh, Friday. And Auburn getting closer to A-Day. Hugh Freeze meeting with the media earlier today. And we're talking a lot of basketball, too, as the Auburn men's basketball season comes to an end uh, with a loss to Houston in the round of 32 on Saturday night in Birmingham. Bill was at that game, and Bill, is, as, uh, as impressive as the first half was for Auburn, uh, Houston answered back with... Uh, a couple of trump cards. I mean, and and really just you know just just it was it was all the more impressive the the way the way Houston was able uh, to to retake that lead and, and some you know some some uh, uh, you know it's a it's a it's a difficult loss because Auburn has uh, you know a couple of a couple of moments that you'd like back in the second half. Certainly the free throws, something that people have been uh, been, been been looking at. But lo- love your thoughts on Saturday night's game in Birmingham. Yeah, I mean, it, it was one where um, Houston really sort of set the tone on the first possession of the second half when uh, they went down and, and uh, got three or four shots and were able to get a couple of offensive rebounds and, and go ahead and score. And then uh, 
Um, you know, Auburn, Auburn had some decent looks. They scored, um, uh, well, I guess they scored their first basket like at 1840 or something of the, of the second half. Did not score another bucket until there was under eight minutes to go. Went ten and a half minutes without a basket. And it was just, um, you know, it's one of, just one of those things where nothing was going to fall for them. Houston was really being aggressive, uh, defensively and, uh, uh, Auburn, Auburn came so close to having and one opportunities, they'd be fouled as they're going in, and then they couldn't make the free throws. And I think it got to them. I think it became a mental thing. Um, Jani Broom has struggled at times shooting free throws, but nothing like he did on Saturday. I mean, Auburn um, made just one of its first 18 field goals in the second half, and they missed 12 of their first 23 free throws. I mean, Auburn shot free throws. They had more opportunities. You know, Houston was called for more fouls. Auburn went to the line. But they end up just barely over 50% on free throw shooting. And after shooting 56% of the first half, you know, finished the game at 39%. So it's sort of a microcosm of the entire season. Auburn playing so well for uh, periods of times and then just having droughts. And that's one of the things we were talking about at halftime with some of the, uh, some of the state and, and national folks that were there covering. It's like Auburn just doesn't need to have an extended drought. Well, they hadn't had any. Hadn't had a drought of that length all year long. It ended up costing them. I and mean, what was crazy was you look up with, um, you know, eight minutes to go in the ball game, and Auburn's, Auburn's still very much in it. They made one field goal. I mean, so it was, it was something where uh, I think with, with about three or four minutes left to go in the game, you could just see the, the frustration just setting in as they, you know, they just, they, they just felt like nothing was going to go right for them. Uh, but I mean, it's a tough way to end the season. That Houston team is really good, but uh, but yeah, it, it was just a night where nothing would fall. It was as, it was as though almost that there was you know uh, a cap on the goal or something. I just couldn't get anything to fall there in the second half. I mean, the as it re, it really was as as impressive. Auburn was so Auburn was so impressive to jump out to that lead against Houston. I mean, that's that's Houston led the nation in defensive field goal percentage. This year in the regular season, and Auburn shot fifty-five percent in the first half against them. Yeah, just under fifty-six. J- yeah. Just just under fifty-five. I mean, it, it was it was as considering the considering the opponent and the stakes and and everything else, it was the best half of basketball Auburn has played all season. And, I agree, and, and followed up by perhaps the worst, and followed <laughs> up by perhaps the worst, and not just that, but followed up by Houston going out there and playing. As good an eight ten minutes as just about anybody has played in this tournament, right? I mean the the Houston Cougars to begin the second half, the fouls are the one thing you could call into question. Auburn did not yeah. make them pay enough at the free throw line for that. But the way Houston down ten came out in the second half had me believing this Houston team uh, can, can beat anybody in the country. Oh, I agree. Uh, I mean they they are a physical team. Jarrice uh, Walker was. I mean, he, he was an animal inside. And, uh, you know, that's w- one thing I think that was more obvious Saturday night than just about any time all year is Auburn doesn't have anybody really that plays above the rim. I guess Alan Flanagan is the only guy that really, uh, is, is, is someone who can do that. And they would contest every shot and they didn't mind fouling, uh, when, when guys went up to just, uh, you know, foul and you, and nobody was, up above the rim and be able to go ahead and just flush it. 
and and the balls would roll off the front, and you'd see you'd see the shoulders almost sort of slump when the basket didn't go because they were looking for that and what opportunity. So so now I, I think the question becomes what's next for for Auburn, right? I mean, who who decides to oh, come yeah. back? Who is sort of who decides to begin? Uh, an attempt at a professional career or, you know, decides to move on with the next phase of their life. Like there, there are, there are players with options, upperclassmen with options for Auburn. And, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder what they're going to do. And I wonder what the coaching staff wants them to do. Uh, that, that is, there's no question. I mean, that, that is the most interesting thing right now. What's going to be the makeup of, of the roster by next year. You've got, um, you know, players, like you said, players that um, that that will have some options. You know, I, I wonder about the guys that have transferred in and still have eligibility. I guess they would, you know, they'd have to be uh, um, get a waiver to transfer somewhere else. But it's not as though that's been an extremely difficult thing to get done from the NCAA. But uh, you just wonder, you know, who all is who's going to be here? How many new faces will there be? Bruce Pearl saying after the game, you know, he's ready to get on. He's ready for the next play. He's ready to get out and recruit. Yeah, and, and Bruce Pearl has shown a willingness to go and and scour college basketball to find players that can help his system and and fit his system. And yeah, just I wonder, I wonder how different next year's team looks because there's the potential for Bruce to sort of nibble around the edges and keep a lot of this nucleus in place and run it back. And there's, there's also the potential for Bruce to, uh, to, to make wholesale changes and, and go with a very different looking team next season. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, no question about that. I mean, um, and, and you just have to wonder, you know, when's, when's the first pin going to drop? I mean, that's, uh, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be well, Janai has eligibility remaining. Yes, he and, does. And he, more than anyone else, is the guy that I would expect to declare for the NBA draft from this team. I think he's well, the, I think, you know, I think what you're going to see, I think you're going to see multiple players that, um, that are eligible declare just to sort of get told what, you know, what, what the, uh, what the scouts think of them. And Janai, I think, is the, the leader of that. Um, I, I still sort of believe that uh, Jalen is is going to be back, but I mean we'll we'll just have to wait and see on that. The end. I mean, when I talked to him after the game Thursday, that's what he he sounded like, and he seemed like that after the game again Saturday night. So I mean, you've got the potential to bring back a a pretty strong front court, and uh, I think you'd love to add. I mean, you'd love to have add a big class cleaner, somebody who is you know, a, a, a defensive presence and rebounder, if you could find that. I know everybody is, is um, seems to be focusing more on the guards, which there's no question. You've got to have, you got to have a couple of guys that can, uh, that can just drain it from the outside. And I think you'd like to have more height uh, in, in the backcourt as well. But, but I, I, I think there, there are possibilities at just about every position. What you wonder about, you know, if, if you're talking about going out and getting guards, all right, then you need to know what the situation with the other ones are with, with Wendell and KD and Trey. I mean, um, you know, there, there was some, you know, 
more than than a little bit of talk after the game. Surprised that uh, Trey only played eight minutes in that ball game after he hit his first two threes. He was five for five from outside the arc there in uh, in Birmingham. So um, I'm sure right then, you know, he was he was more than a little concerned that he didn't play more minutes there. But if if you're planning on adding someone there, they don't want a problem. They don't. You know, you're not going to be able to bring in an experienced player. Uh, if you have like a two-year starter or something coming back at that spot. So, I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the pieces fit together. Right, and, and as far as the NBA goes, I would look at Janai, maybe Allen, as the most draftable pieces right right now, like guys that could go in the 2023 NBA draft. And, and Allen's... More of a stretch. I mean, I, I think he's he's somebody who earlier in his career was viewed as a you know, as as a as a possible lottery pick, but the injury did you know real damage to his consistency as a player, and he's been sort of searching for that. He finished the year playing as well as he had since the injury. Uh, in in the you know the final regular season games for Allen were were, were really strong, but uh, you know there, there's the chance that there's the chance this lo- this roster looks very very different next year and, and and it could mean some some difficult decisions for Bruce Pearl and his staff or the players in, in question. We'll be back with more. You are listening to the Monday edition of the drive. Stick around. Back to The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Monday edition of The Drive, Dan Peck. In the studio, Drew at the controls, Bill Cameron on assignment on Auburn's campus watching football practice. He will be in the studio for hour number two. Love to hear from you, 334-321-1390, the number to dial. We are going to talk uh, with uh, Justin Kirby. Uh, that That's going to be a routine thing on Mondays during the drive. Auburn outfielder Justin Kirby will join us for Tiger Takes. Uh, that's every Monday at 5.30, uh, so Bill will be uh, in the house for that. want to say a shout-out to Zepp Jasper, who uh, was our Tiger Takes guest for two seasons for Auburn men's basketball, probably played his last college basketball game uh, on Saturday night, really represented himself on the court, off the court, with the utmost class and dignity and it was a pleasure to get to talk to him as much as we did and and i want uh, just nothing but the best uh, for zepp moving forward as a, a guy who uh, you know caught, caught some heat on social media 
uh, because he he said he wasn't necessarily rooting against Alabama in uh, in, in the NCAA tournament, and you know he, he's he's somebody who you know, has got some 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 personal relationships, and you know he, you know he's somebody who, who's who's you know there, there's a fraternity within the conference. I don't know. I, I always appreciated how genuine he was, and I I, I wouldn't want him to fake you know how how he's how he's feeling you know just just because that's what people expect from the rivalry or anything like that i i, I always uh, appreciated the time we got to spend uh with zepp and i'm looking forward to uh, to talking with justin kirby uh, about uh, auburn baseball and, and how they bounce back after a, a tough weekend in arkansas uh over the last a couple of days but arkansas but but auburn baseball still early just one of uh of a of a lot of conference weekends uh, to come in the SEC. Arkansas, one of the best teams in the country, but Auburn baseball, uh, not the start they wanted uh, in league play. And we'll talk with Justin Kirby about that in our number two. NCAA tournament going on right now. Auburn season comes to an end as they uh, lose to Houston. Love, love people's thoughts on sort of where Auburn goes from here and, and, and you know strong feelings about what Bruce needs to, uh, what Bruce needs to rethink, if anything, about uh, his methods moving forward. Auburn has, uh, it's, I don't know, it's Auburn losing in the round of 32 and that being a disappointment is such a, it's such a culture change from a decade ago, two decades ago. And I'm sure there are younger fans that are tired of the older Auburn fans, the ones that remember Jeff Lebo and pre Jeff Lebo basketball, you know that 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 say, you know, stop bringing up that Auburn used to be a, a doormat in the SEC routinely, because you know as as though that's you know as as though that's an excuse when things don't go well for for the program now, and I suppose they're right, and I suppose you know if if you're expecting Auburn to be in the Final Four every year because 2019 was so much fun, uh, it's bitter and uh, infuriating when Auburn falls short of that. And it would have been really cool if Auburn had beaten Houston, right? I mean, if, if Auburn had held on to win that game on, on Saturday night, Auburn is playing in an NCAA tournament Sweet 16 game on Friday night, and it would have been another crazy scene for Auburn fans, especially the ones that live in town here. Doug was asking me, about you know my memories of being in Auburn for the Final Four season in 2019, and it's you know if you were if you were here, and certainly if you were watching the games either in person or w- with with a large group here in Auburn, you know it's it's something you it's something you won't forget as as a fan. It's it's you know it's one of those those magical things that you 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 hope you can uh, you know you hope you get to experience. And there were times. Last season, when it looked like Auburn had the makings of a team that could make that kind of Final Four run, there were times this season when Auburn looked like a team that that could recapture some of that magic. But it didn't happen, and I'm, you know, I I just postseason basketball, tournament basketball is such a dice roll. And you know all, all you can do is try to build the best team possible and hope that you hope that you're healthy and playing well when the tournament starts and and luck is on your side and you can you know you, you can 
find a way to 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 advance. But you know, I I would be I guess getting back to the conversation we were having in the previous segment about what Auburn does from here. I I guess I'd be surprised to see, and it could happen, but I, I'd be surprised to see a big chunk of this nucleus back and starting next season. For Auburn, right? Wendell Green has multiple years of eligibility. He could come back. He could be the starting point guard again. Uh, Katie Johnson has eligibility remaining. He could come back and, and, and come off the bench or be, or move into the starting lineup. Uh, Katie was, was a, a reserve who came in early for most of the season this year. Jalen Williams has eligibility left and could play some more for Auburn. Broom, Broom is the one that I suspect is moving on, but Janai Broom could decide that Battling for a spot on an NBA roster because he's probably not a first round pick. Uh, battling for a spot on an NBA roster is, uh, is, is, isn't necessarily preferable to being, uh, a starter and a key contributor on one of the best teams in college basketball. And you know, I wonder if, if NIL considerations play a role in whether or not you decide to start your professional career now or you push it off until later. But Bruce has, Bruce has some deciding to do about, you know, what 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 the team needs to look like moving forward. He's got and, and Bill made a great point in mentioning that there are younger players, Trey Donaldson, most particularly, but also uh, Chance Westry and, and Johan Traor. There, there are younger players who w- wouldn't mind seeing some minutes open up and head their way, and will make an argument. Moving forward, that they should be uh, in in the in the mix for for playing time in the rotation. So there's a yeah there's a, there's a lot of ways th- this thing can go, and it does seem like Bruce has you know, there, there are good options. You know there there are there are good problems to have, but uh, it's it's going to be the next few months a pivotal or you know seem like a pivotal time for not just next season in Auburn men's basketball, but the next couple of years, sort of the direction this thing goes under Bruce Pearl. And, and, and it's, you know, meanwhile, the conference is just getting better every single year. I mean, you look at how many teams made the dance this year. Arkansas is still playing. Alabama is still playing. Tennessee is still playing. There were first-year coaches that made the NCAA tournament from Missouri and Mississippi State. Other coaches at places like LSU and Florida are trying to put something, South Carolina as well, trying to put something together after a, a rebuild. Chris Beard just showed up at, you know, in, in Oxford and we'll, and we'll see what, we'll see what that looks like. But this league is, I mean, it is, it is just, it, you know, it, it is, it is nothing but aircraft carriers, you know, at, at every program and, and no, and everyone seems to be, you know, approving of the way their program is headed right now. So it's a it's an important time because, you, you know, a false move. You know, you take a step back, and there are so many different programs looking to pounce and take your spot, and 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 suddenly you're in a really tough situation. And that's not, I mean, Auburn was a Auburn was an NCAA tournament team. They're projected as a tournament team all year. They made the tournament. They won a tournament game. Lost to a one seed, which is generally how it goes. I, I know that all time nine seeds have have a 
horrible record, but but in general, eight and nine seeds over the last 10, 20 years have a a, a pretty bad record against one seed. So I mean, it's it's it, it takes it takes a lot to be the eight or the nine that beats a one seed. I know that's happened now with well, Arkansas did it in this tournament. Purdue wasn't eliminated by a a eight nine because they had the you know they, they were they were bounced by. A, a 16, but there are a couple of... Uh, who's the other one I'm thinking of? Who's who's the other one that got eliminated, right? Baylor last year? Maybe? No, but th- this year. who's You got you got Alabama, you got Kansas, Houston. Oh. you got oh, yeah, Houston still in it. So, so yeah, so I mean, so there's one 8-9 over a... One 8-9 over a one uh, this year, and, and it's it's happened, you know, once, I think, in most of the last couple of tournaments, but it's it's still a, it's a difficult draw, and... You know, it's it's not as though the season was a catastrophe or anything for Auburn, but it's you know if you're not if you're not getting better, you know, be be careful because you watch how many other teams in this league are perennially trying to get better and want to you know and and a lot of them look at it and you and this is a compliment, but a lot of I think a lot of programs look at look at Auburn and say if Auburn can do it. Then, then why not us, right? I mean, because Auburn had decades where they were among the conference's least successful programs, right? Now, now you have places like Ole Miss saying, "If Auburn can become a powerhouse in men's basketball, why can't we?" Right? Georgia is wondering, you know, what? Why can't it happen here? If it's happening at Auburn, so it's it's a it's a very special thing that Bruce Pearl has built over the last few years, and this is another successful season, one of the most successful years in program history. But it's coming at a time where, you know, there are there are barbarians at the gate in the SEC. And it's uh it, it's you know what what Bruce and his coaches decide to do over the next couple of months will will play a large role in deciding whether Auburn ascends to perennial conference championship contender status, which they're pretty close to right now, especially over the last four or five years. You know, they've been in the hunt for the for the league title in most of those seasons. You know, you, you stay kind of close to where you are without making a, a noticeable move, or, 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 or you take a step back and, and you worry because it seems like a lot of programs in the conference right now are not taking Steps back. 334-321-1390 is the number to dial. 334-321-1390. We're going to talk with Bill Cameron in hour number two. He's going to be in the studio as we uh, get uh, his report from practice with uh, Auburn football back on the field following Friday's scrimmage. Hugh Freeze talked to the media earlier today. We might run some of that if we can. Uh, I think you know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. About that, we might might run a little bit of Hugh Freeze because, like Bill said, Hugh Freeze had some interesting things to say. We'll be back with more. You are listening to the Monday edition of the Drive. Come in and get it out of your system. The Car Stereo Shop. Hey, it's Steve with the Car Stereo Shop, and I have exciting news. We are opening in our new, bigger, and better facility Monday, March thirteenth. And listen, it's easy to find. Turn in between CTU and Badcock Furniture, and you will be looking at us. Our new address is eighteen twenty-three Opelika Road, and we are still selling the best products at the best prices and backing them with the best warranties. Come see us at our new location, eighteen twenty-three Opelika Road, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. You. 
live on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Final segment of hour number one here on the Monday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio, Drew at the controls. Bill Cameron watching Auburn football practice. He'll be back with more as we'll uh, talk with Bill in hour number two. We'll also talk with Auburn outfielder Justin Kirby in hour number two about the uh, about, about the start to Auburn conference play as the team gets back from Fayetteville after a difficult three-game series against the Razorbacks. Eight games left in the uh, in, in the or eight games slated for Thursday and Friday in the NCAA tournament. Thursday's games in the West region. You got Gonzaga and UCLA along with Arkansas and UConn. Those games are in Vegas. And in the East region, those are the Madison Square Garden games, uh, Michigan State and Kansas State, followed by FAU and Tennessee. I was talking about uh, Butler. A couple of I don't know it was, it was right when the it was right after Selection Sunday, and, and two years in a row I had Butler out in the first round in my bracket, and they went to the championship game in both of them. And I was wondering, you know, who's going to be the team that I eliminate in the in the first round in my bracket that, that makes it a deep run this year? Tennessee Volunteers look like I mean I I talked myself into Louisiana. That game was close. I maintain that Tennessee Louisiana game got close at the end, but Tennessee looks. I mean, they they look so so impressive, and uh, they, they've got FAU on Thursday night in Vegas. It's an FAU team that I think between Memphis in the first round and Purdue in the second round, you know, very few people had FAU making it this far. FAU ended up not even playing Purdue in the second round because Fairleigh Dickinson eliminated them, and so FAU is in uh, Madison Square Garden. It's an FAU team. I mean, they're thirty three and three. Like it's, I mean, it, they're they're not, uh, and I mean, they're not, uh, you know, they're not totally. There's not, and 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 there's a pretty good league too. I mean, that that's that's Conference USA, which I was I was looking in Conference Conference USA teams have done very well throughout the postseason this year. UAB is having a strong NIT. North Texas is having a strong NIT as well. So it's, uh, you know, FAU is not the only league, uh, team from that league representing themselves in uh, postseason basketball, but they got a shot against Tennessee uh, to, uh, to to make it to the Elite Eight. And uh, for, for Tennessee, uh, this, is a, this, this is a chance to, to get one step closer to uh, the Final Four and, and maybe a matchup with, you know, as, as you look on the other side of that, and, and the, the region that would send... Tennessee's opponent to the Final Four, and those those games are on Friday. Uh, Alabama looming large, potentially in the South, uh, with uh, with their matchup with San Diego State on the other side of that one, Princeton and Creighton. But it's been a great tournament so far, and uh, it, it's S- Saturday night's game for Auburn was it was a, you know, a a difficult end to a season with a lot of adversity in it. You know, Auburn had had to. Uh, uh, you know they they'd had to they'd had to fight through uh, some some tough stretches as a team and uh, and and questions loom about what they're going to do now. But but that Houston game, I I came away so impressed with 
the way Houston seized control at the beginning of the second half. Like that was the thing to me. And you can you can call it a collapse by Auburn. You know, I, I thought Auburn overachieved in the first half. When you think about how Auburn shot the ball against the best defense in college basketball statistically in the regular season, you know, I, you felt like there was going to be some regression to the mean. It would have been a surprise if Auburn cruised up double figures for the whole second half. For Houston to it was six minutes. I mean, it took them. It took them no time at all to to take a ten point lead and evaporate it. And Auburn felt like you know they were trying to keep water out of the boat for the rest of the second half. And yeah, Auburn didn't help themselves. You know, some misses at the free throw line could have. You know, the, the Auburn could have kept the game closer if if they'd hit some free throws. There's no question about that. But I mean, Auburn Auburn was two for twenty. At one point in the second half, I mean, there there was just the the way the the way Houston adjusted to what Auburn was doing offensively in the first half, and the way Auburn stopped making shots. You know how much of that is Houston's defense, how much of that was Auburn not being able to convert the looks they they usually hit. It was whatever it was. It was uh, enough for Houston to completely flip the script and. Uh, now they're going to the Sweet 16, and Auburn is asking questions about where they go from here. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. Dan Peck in the studio. We're going to talk with Bill Cameron in hour number two. We'll be back. You're listening to The Drive. Equal opportunity employee. ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika. This is SportsCenter. I'm Christine Lisi. This just in. The Texans with two major additions to their offense, agreeing to one-year deals with free agent tight end Dalton Schultz and free agent running back Devin Singletary. The Cowboys likely out of the running for free agent Odell Beckham Jr. after trading for receiver Brandon Cooks. As many as 14 teams recently attended OBJ's workout in Arizona. Teams are interested, but with Beckham coming back from a second ACL injury, it might take some time to get a contract done, explains ESPN's Dan Graziano. Right now, there's a difference between his expectations and what teams are willing to offer, but it's only March, right? There's no games for six months, so I, I think I think he'll get somewhere. It's just a matter of finding the right deal for a guy that missed all of last season and is coming off two ACLs. You know, it's not as, as simple as, oh, it's Odell Beckham, let's get him in the building, even though he might think that. Dan Graziano on Greeny. ESPN's Adam Schefter's reporting. NFL owners are expected to finalize a multi-year extension for Commissioner Roger Goodell at next week's owners' meetings. Hall of Famer Iona coach Rick Pitino hired as the new men's basketball coach at St. John's. And Georgetown has hired Providence's Ed Cooley as its as its next head coach. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE.
the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Monday edition of The Drive. Dan Peck in the studio. Drew at the controls. Bill will be here shortly. He is on campus for some of the first hour of The Drive. We'll see if we get a... We'll see if we can get in touch. Is that... All right, that's that's Bill. All right, let's get let's get Bill. Actually, I'll tell you what, we'll we'll take care of some uh, some business here in hour number two as we as we uh, start the start the hour with hour, well, hour number two. I never do this part. Hour number two, the brought to you by our friends at the Orthopedic Clinic, East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care, with locations in Auburn and Opelika on the web at orthoclinic.com. You can call the show on the Kia of Auburn hotline, 334-321-1390, the number to dial. You can also text the show, 334-564-1840, on the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. And Bill Cameron was there for Hugh Freeze's media remarks at 3.30, and, and he is... Uh, going to be in the studio for some of our number two, but I'm told Bill is on the phone right now. So let's get back to Bill. What's up, Bill? Yeah, I can do a little uh, mini traffic report as well as uh, uh, as update you on, on what we saw over at practice. I'd say traffic moving pretty well, but a lot of it are here on, on North University, a little fender bender on North Donahue, so watch your watch yourself if you're in that area. But, uh, yeah, I hadn't done a traffic report in a long time, man. Go way back in the days for that. But, uh, but yeah, beautiful Monday afternoon. A lot to be talking about as, as basketball season is over for the men. The women, uh, move on against Clemson and the WNIT baseball tough first weekend in SEC play as they're swept at Arkansas. But, uh, yes, I was over at the, uh, new football facility. Hugh Freeze met with the media for a little bit that invited us in. We got to watch about, um, 45 to 50 minutes of practice uh, as, as it's the first practice after their first scrimmage-type situations. And really, um, a couple of things before we get back into basketball, I, I thought a couple of things of note that a freshman that appear to be making moves, one of them not much of a surprise. I mentioned that I, I, I'd asked Hugh Freeze about the jack position, and he said, Hey, we need more of them. We've got to recruit more of them. But he uh, he then sort of, as as he was about to go on, and they were uh, going to ask another question, he said, but Keldrick Funk, he said, we need more guys like him. What a prize he was in the recruiting class. And uh, they really like what they've seen from him. And it looks like he's moved up, and he was working with the first unit today on defense. We saw him out there a couple of times with the first unit a week ago. And then I mentioned a little while ago, Auburn's got some injuries. Uh, Coach Free is saying most of them aren't serious, but there are a couple of guys, uh, even though this won't be anything that would affect them long term, are out for the spring. Don't exactly know what the injury to Tate Johnson is, but after calling him one of his leaders, 
said he wouldn't be able to go through any contact for the rest of the spring. Uh, so today, when we looked at the starting offensive line, it was a little bit different. Still had Dylan Wade at left tackle, uh, Gunnar Britton at right tackle, and Avery Jones at center. But today, Jeremiah Wright was at right tackle, uh, excuse me, right guard, and the left guard on the number one unit was true freshman Connor Lou. That is that is an interesting development. I saw the Tate Johnson news, and I thought that was sort of an that was a uh, that that was a uh, you know a, a blow to Tate, who had been in the mix for uh, you know may, maybe winning one of these two guard spots for Auburn on the offensive line. Uh, maybe not, but I wonder if. Uh, I, I wonder, yeah, I, I wonder, you know, sort of what the what the outlook looks like without Tate Johnson. But yeah, that's that's a name we hadn't heard as much about, Bill. There on the offensive line. No, Connor Lou was, you know, highly touted, uh, projected as a center, and I think they really like him as a center down the road. But what better way to learn the center than to line up next to that experienced guy in Avery Jones? I'm not saying Connor Lou's going to be your starter, but uh, I think it's good for him to be learning something other, an opportunity for him to perhaps play some, get on the field, and play some at both guard and center, as because he's been running as the number two center behind Avery Jones this spring. The other one, I guess it was, um, well, more than a little bit of a surprise, is when I looked out there and saw who all was healthy, and we saw the first unit, then the second unit, you know, I was wondering, is Cam Stutz banged up? Well, actually, he was. Uh, he's running with a third team at guard. Well, that is uh, that. That's that is a development for Cam, a veteran player who, uh, you know, yeah, was was someone that I think we all, you know, that that was one of the projected players on the right. on the offensive line. People thought could could factor in. Bill, what you heard Hugh Freeze talk about the quarterbacks? You've gotten to see a little bit of it. What do you make of the position right now? Well, you know, it's funny. Justin uh, Justin Ferguson and I were talking about it a little bit. I mean, they look really good throwing the ball today. We saw them look better throwing, but. Hugh Freeze talking about, hey, the, the most important thing is first, know, you know, know where the ball, your eyes, know what you see, make the right call, and then, ex- and, and, and then you know, making the right read, and then executing. And he said uh, he wants to be at a point where he knows that they're seeing the right thing, they're making the right read, and then it's about execution. But he said right now he can't count on them doing the first two things. So what we saw today really doesn't have anything to do with that. It, uh, we just saw them, you know, today throwing the ball, and they looked fine throwing it, but it's against air. It's not against defenses lining up and uh, the coverages that they're trying to read. So you, you could tell Hugh Freeze was more than a little frustrated with the, um, with the play of his quarterbacks the other day when they had to line up and, and try to, you know, make adjustments and make reads against defenses. He said today that – Maybe they're going to have to uh, try to come up with different ray, uh, different ways to uh, to teach the RPO because he said they're just not they're just not executing it, not even getting to the point of being able to execute the RPO. What well, what is what does it look like as far? I mean, is it is is the distribution in the drills pretty even? Does it does it seem like yeah. somebody is up first consistently? What what is what does that look like? It's still the same order. It's still, you know, TJ, then Robbie, then Holden. Um, and, and all three of them look pretty good throwing. I thought it was interesting that when, uh, when I asked about the linebackers, you know, he, he said he really has been pleased with the linebackers. They're better than he thought they would be. He said the two areas right now 
that are the biggest concern or that are the most questions about are quarterback and wide receiver. Just because uh, he's looking for some people to really step up, and he's seen some flashes. He's seen, but but he's looking for consistency there at the receiver spot, and that's something we hadn't heard before today. I think we'd heard a lot of optimism about, oh, there there are quite a few guys, and and uh, you know maybe a position where where Auburn has maybe a, a depth of talent. But it sounded today that that Hugh Freeze is um, you know still looking for one or two to step up and, and show that they're deserving, you know, of, of getting the ball. Talking with Bill Cameron, who's going to be, well, what's the plan? Are you coming to the studio or? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 uh, as a matter of fact, I'm out in front looking to turn left across traffic right now into the parking lot. Okay, so we'll, we'll talk with Bill in the studio in, in, in just a moment. And as a matter of fact, we might get to break a little bit earlier. Love to hear from you. 334-321-1390, the number to dial. You are listening to the Monday edition of The Drive. We're going to talk with Justin Kirby, uh, Auburn outfielder uh, with the uh, with Tiger Takes here in uh, in hour number two. We'll, we'll be talking with, uh, with with Justin as uh, as as he joins the Tiger Takes uh, group of, of athletes that we've been able uh, to speak with of late. I'd uh, love to get your thoughts on the uh, on the, the NCAA tournament, uh, Auburn's first two games in the draw, and a whole lot more, but we're going to take a break, and we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to The Drive. The Drive continues. 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 The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The Drive. Bill here in the studio. Yeah, I thought, uh, well, I got to be on most of the first half hour. Uh, Hugh Freeze keeps coming in. We have these uh, meetings with him, little press conferences where we ask questions, and he talks about things. And, and each of the last two Mondays, he said, hey, y'all coming to practice? And we've said, yeah. And he goes, okay, well, come on in. Just uh, don't video until the fourth period. And it's like, oh, because we didn't think we were going into the fourth period. So, so that was good. But uh, honestly, the first couple of periods we were out there, they were just warming up, stretching, doing things like that. So, um, that, that's why at least I got the opportunity to join in. We'd love for you to join in here on the Monday drive with, uh, Bill and Dan. We've got, uh, uh, calls holding. Drew at the controls did want to update you. Justin Kirby will be joining us for Tiger Takes this afternoon. But it'll be at 545 instead of 530. So we'll be talking with the uh, Auburn slugging outfielder in about uh, half an hour. 334-321-1390. And let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Millhouse is up first. Hey, Millhouse. Hey, how are y'all this afternoon? Uh, doing all right, man. A gorgeous day. It's turned out, turned out pretty nice. Had a tidbit of information i don't know how true it is but it's kind of telling that uh at pro day from what i understand most of the receivers uh, and ball catchers have requested for garner to be the thrower to them at pro day i just think that kind of says a lot they feel better about his accuracy so they can actually show that they can catch the ball instead of having balls thrown 100 miles an hour or bounce to them from the other two quarterbacks yeah i was gonna say um I- 
from what I've seen of the guys this this spring, it's not so much accuracy; it's probably velocity. Yeah. But I just thought that was kind of a tidbit. The, the pro guys showing out, the ones going trying to go pro, want to have catchable balls thrown and know who can put it on them. That's pretty pretty telling that they have chosen Holden to throw over Robbie or PJ. Well, from from what uh, from what everybody that I, I talked to, a couple of folks that were there uh, at the workout on Friday, and uh, I think everybody felt TJ was the most accurate of the three out there Friday. And for I, whatever I was that there means. Friday too. Oh, is that right? I, I would disagree with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. A couple of couple of folks that I talked to. Well, I don't know. They were they weren't sure what to say about Holden because because of you know who all he was working with. Unfortunately, that's true. But Camden Brown did. Did put on a show. He made some really good catches. I thought he he has some potential. I didn't see much from uh, number eight, the new guy from Cincinnati, but he definitely stands out when he goes out. Oh, in, yeah. In, you in can't miss him. You're right about that. And Kedrick Falk, like you said, is a full-grown man at 18. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, they they definitely that, – that is one. It is uh, – Auburn's very fortunate they were able to, uh, you know, get him back in. No doubt. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate the call, Millhouse. 334-321-1390. A pro day coming up tomorrow over on campus. And, uh, yeah, Hugh, Hugh talked about that a little bit, saying, you know, even though there's not going to be a lot of TV and everything here, they, they want to make sure they get everything and, uh, and, and put on the right kind of show because this is something they expect to be a big, big deal in the future. He doesn't know enough about a lot of the guys that are going to be going through pro day anyway because he, you know, he, he never had a chance to see them out on the field. Oh, certainly not. I mean, this is a it's a fresh start for everyone on this roster and and there are players who I mean, you'd look at I don't know, of the of the returnees Jarquez Hunter, but he wasn't a starter last year. I mean, Jarquez Hunter looks like he's got an inside track for a lot of playing time, but it's a it's a short list of guys that you'd feel great about saying, "Oh yeah, he's going to play on offense." Short list of guys from last year's team, they say, "Oh, he's going to play a ton of snaps in 2023." I mean, you can look at Javarius Johnson or Coy Moore, you guess. There's there's competition there. Yeah, I mean, like I said, Hugh, uh, you know, Hugh Freeze saying receiver is is a position that there's still uh, it's more cloudy at quarterback and receiver. He said everything else that I do think they uh, they feel pretty good about the offensive line if they can stay healthy. They they like the additions that they brought in the uh, the transfers, the junior college uh, transfer in uh, and Miller. And a couple of the freshmen. I mentioned Connor Lewis getting some work there at the first team at left guard today. So I think they feel like they've got the makings of a pretty good offensive line. But they're they're looking for playmakers. He did say that one of the reasons they don't scrimmage as much is because he likes what they have at running back. He really talked a good bit about Jarquez. Said Jarquez is a difference maker and there's no sense in beating him up in the spring. Oh, and, and I think that's the right, as as uh, what pitch counts become more prevalent mm-hmm. for running backs, as people become more, you know, more, more aware of the danger of the position and, you know, the fact that these guys have a limited number of carries and maybe you want to preserve them and have them as healthy as possible for the season. Yeah, I think we're seeing, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming in vogue in college football to save your running back from wear and tear, especially if you expect him to play a lot in the fall. And, Bill, I, I would imagine 
they, they expect Jarquez Hunter to play a lot in the fall. Well, Jarquez is the man. I mean, he he is now. He um, Coach Freeze also talked about Brian Batty. He didn't call him Batty. I just called him Batty today. He said uh, he said now he's not. He may not be the guy you want in there um, all the time when you're where when you're in um, just pass pro. He said, but you sure do want him with the ball in his hands if he can get out in space. Uh, that, that he's really shown there. So they like their running backs um, just right now trying to find, you know, who's going to step up at receiver and will anyone step up at quarterback? That that So it sort of goes to the, you know, the theory, and I, I haven't heard anybody that's argued with it, that Auburn's definitely in the market for a quarterback or two uh, when, when the portal officially reopens May 1st. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Love to hear from you. Did uh, did we did uh, you get any any conversation from folks in the uh, final half hour about uh, about the tournament? Not not really. I mean, we're still looking at the. I mean, between the 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 questions for Auburn and where things go from here in the NCAA tournament. I mean, I I think that there's. Uh, I mean, we're going to see news. I mean, the portal's open. We're hearing stories about recruiting right now. We're hearing stories. Oh yeah, now with basketball. Remember, yeah. as soon as team seasons are done, players are players are getting in. So Auburn's got some Auburn's got some uh, work to do as far as uh, you know what, what they want to do with the roster. And then the tournament goes on for the sixteen teams still alive, and and three SEC teams in that field. All three of them could make it to the final four in their respective regions, and you you could have three SEC teams in Houston uh, with Arkansas, Tennessee, and Alabama still alive. Bill, what did you uh, uh you, you got to see a little bit of Alabama, right? Or, or did you get to see any of Alabama? Oh no, yeah, yeah, we we uh, got to see a little of them in the uh, on Thursday, uh, on Saturday, just the first minute or two. I mean, I was waiting for uh, for Brian and Jason to finish writing their stories, and then we headed on out. Wanted to get out before the traffic was too bad, but that's a team that. Uh, Looks like they're focused again. I mean, you know, remember the last, what was it, four or five games of the regular season, they struggled. They, since the SEC tournament has started, they're, they're playing much better. They didn't shoot it. Here's the thing that was crazy is they didn't shoot the ball that well the other night uh, against Maryland, and they still won by 22. I heard this earlier today, and this is sort of scary. They are the first team in the history of the NCAA tournament to win by more than 20 points while shooting under 40% from the floor and under 30% from three-point line. And they still won by 22? That's very scary because this is a team that can they can get hot. So, I mean, if they can win big when they're not shooting it well, uh, that that's uh, I think that's, that's a sign. It, you look at, at their side of the bracket, I mean... Uh, who do you think? Who do you think is going to be a tougher matchup for him? I mean, there's there's San Diego State and Creighton are the top two seeds left because Princeton, a 15 seed, is the other team that's left in the South. Do you think more of San Diego State or Creighton? You know, I just can't. I don't know what I make of the San Diego State. Uh, me either. But but I you know Alabama looks to be. I mean, of the. If I had to pick one team, they look like, they look like they're cruising. Into well, that's the what final I mean. If, if, if I had to pick any one of the sixteen teams left, yeah. the, the one that I feel most confident in getting to the final four would probably be Alabama sure. because the other three teams in the region. I think UCLA's played very, very well through the first two games of this tournament, but that region with UCLA, Gonzaga, Arkansas, and UConn, any of those teams, like we were saying in hour number one, any of those teams could roll through all the way. Uh, and in to, the mid in the Midwest, you you know Miami. 
beating Indiana kept it from being completely chalk. It's one, two, three, five in the Midwest. I think that's about right. Uh, you know, I, yeah. so, so so we'll see what the uh, we'll, we'll see what the tournament looks like moving forward, and and for Auburn, you know, we'll, we'll see what decisions to make. What do you? Um, we, we haven't talked any baseball uh, in the in the first hour and a half. You just got in here, so we you know we can't have, didn't have a chance to talk about it in the first hour. Uh, we're going to talk with Justin Kirby right. in a couple of minutes, but uh, but yeah, difficult. Five forty five actually. So okay, we pushed, yeah, pushed, pushed it back to five. Pushed it back a little yeah. bit with, uh, with with yeah, Justin Kirby just letting us know that he's going to have a, a little, little bit a little bit of a late start to Tiger takes as they as they get out of practice but yeah difficult start for Auburn in conference play over the weekend yeah it's tough I mean when you don't have a couple of your uh, regulars and Bobby Pierce and Connor McMurray you're going in very cold weather into a hostile place you also then uh, don't have Joseph Gonzalez but I mean it seemed that Arkansas was able to pitch around um, you know the the middle of Auburn's order because since Auburn didn't have that balance top and bottom just couldn't really get things going Auburn only scored five runs in the three games so a, a, a tough, tough way. I mean, that's a tough call anyway to go to the number three team in the country to open up the season. You go in there, and I believe the wind chill was around 25 on uh, uh, on the op- on opening night. And so I just uh, I got off to a, a, a tough start, and a couple of big innings did Auburn in. Uh, that's that's just pretty much all you can say. And they they couldn't come through. Auburn had a few opportunities. But when they got base runners on, they really couldn't cash in. Got to credit Arkansas. I mean, they're not they're not number three just uh, by accident. No, it's it's one of the best teams in college baseball, and and teams are going to struggle to win in conference play in Fayetteville. You, you talk about you hope to avoid a sweep, uh, yep. you know, when you can because there are uh, you know because those those games. I mean, the difference between. The, di- t- the difference between 12 and 18 and 15 and 15 can be making the postseason. Oh, yeah. No or not. Kidding. And so th- those games can add up. I don't know if there was a, was there a game where Auburn, I mean, our, that's, that's a testament to Arkansas. I mean, there, there really wasn't one you look at and you say, oh, well, Auburn was. Yeah, it was like, uh, well, the, fir- the first one sort of got, uh, got away. And then, I mean, they were, they just, they were all over Auburn in, in game two. Third one, I mean, it was like, um, you had, you know, it was like, well, I guess uh, Tommy Tommy Vale had three shutout innings, but you know, I wondered about cold weather and being able to really grip the ball. He walks the first two batters in the fourth inning, gives up a three-run homer, and then you know, then, then it all fell apart after that, and Auburn lost that one nine-three. And a similar situation with um, um, with with uh, was it Zach or uh, I guess. Yeah, it was um, with with Zach um, that Auburn made an error. There was a walk and a hit batsman, and then uh, and then a homer, and and that pretty much was it. All the runs and everything in, in the in the final game. So it was tough, uh, just just tough. The bats. That's what Auburn's got to get the bats going again. And we'll talk to Justin Kirby about that here in in just a little while. I mean, he of the first six hits as an Auburn Tiger all leaving the ballpark. So we, we will uh, we'll do that as well. But that will be coming up at 545. So in the meantime, yeah, we'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on, all right, Auburn basketball as the season done and, you know, talking with some folks over at football practice, just about basketball, about thinking that 10 years ago, who would have even thought it could be possible that there would be Auburn fans going, man, if, what a disappointing season, only 21 wins, and making it to the round of 32 in the NCAAs. Ten years ago, 
that would have been laughed at like, are you serious? Auburn in the NCAA tournament? What a joke that would have been. But that, that tells you where Auburn basketball has, has come and the expectations that we have now for Auburn basketball and Bruce Pearl. Oh, certainly. And I, and I was saying in the first hour, Bill, I'm sure there are younger fans that don't remember that era oh. that, that, are, that are frustrated by a, a second, uh, you know, a, a, you know when, when you just make it to the round of 32 in the NCAA tournament and your season is over there. But you know, the tournament is unpredictable, and, and I'm sure Bruce Pearl will do what he can to get the best team possible out there. But difficult decisions loom about how this team is going to get right. back to uh, how they're going to stay uh, in the in the in the in the top and 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 you can't and you can't really afford to sit back and wait either um, because other there are other teams that are going to be going ahead and making some of those decisions and like you know um, adding players if you if you wait sometimes you you watch a player that could help you uh, go somewhere where he could end up hurting you. Oh, certainly. I mean, I, I think there's there's absolutely the chance of that. So uh, Auburn is uh, Auburn's going to have uh, decisions to make, Bill, about what to do next. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. One more segment where we're taking calls before we get to our Tiger Takes with Justin Kirby. Come on in and join us here on the Monday Drive. Turn up some more yardage on The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes here on this Monday afternoon. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. Let's see. So uh, um, we mentioned Pro Day coming up tomorrow over on campus. So uh, that means things have changed as far as the schedule for uh, for for our uh, media opportunities and everything. Uh, because you, the, instead of meeting with a couple of assistants tomorrow, as we have been. It will be a pro day tomorrow. And uh, th- then on Wednesday, I believe we'll get uh, – we-, we may get players and coaches Wednesday. I'm trying to uh, – actually, let's see if I can pull up. There it is, the original thing. Um, no, Wednesday we get players, and Thursday we'll get coaches uh, – Marcus Davis and uh, Jeremy Garrett. So we'll get uh, coaches on Thursday. So I was I think that shouldn't affect our guests. I would think I would think that uh, Justin ought to be able to be in after coaches at one o'clock. I meant to ask him that today. Looking, uh, yeah, looking looking forward to talking with Justin Ferguson uh, later in the week. He's, I'm looking was... forward to talking to uh, Jeremy Garrett. And, and oh af- yeah, no, the coaches are going to be great. And after after Hugh Freeze talked about concerns at receiver. I think it'll be it'll be interesting to talk to Marcus Harris because the the midway point of spring practice is tomorrow. 
Right. And oh, excuse are, me, I'm Wednesday. I mean, and there are two scrimmages scheduled for the next ten days. Right? Is there a Friday and a Wednesday? Is that is that what what Hugh Freeze was saying? I want to say there's a. Well, he said they're they're going to hit. That's when he wants to do hitting. They'll do hitting during a um, this Friday in some scrimmaging, and then they'll then they'll uh, hit again next Wednesday, and then and then they would do it obviously on the A day. So I mean, he said they're limited to the number of times that they can actually that they can hit, and he doesn't really want to do an overabundance of that. But he wants to find out obviously who can play and who they have. Uh, uh, that they can try to count on as they get ready for the summer. What, what seem like really important position battles, or what, what's what, what's uh, where, where are spots where uh, where a lot well, matters in the next I, couple of couple, next couple of practices? Um, uh, the offensive line looked like it's sort of settling in. I mean, it's that that left guard spot, um, or one of the guard spots. It looks like Jeremiah Wright's going to be a starter, even though he's been limited and hasn't been able to go through all the full contact. I think Jeremiah Wright is one of your starters. I think you know who your tackles and your center are. It's just one of the guards. Uh, it, it had appeared to be, you know, either Tate Johnson or Cam Stutz. But uh, today with Tate, and Tate's out there able to uh, go through drills. He's just not putting on the shell and the helmet. Um, so, so today it was Connor Liu, and as I said, we saw Cam Stutz working behind E.J. Harris who was at second team guard. So I think the offensive line sort of shaping up. Secondary, I mean, you know who the guys you got in the secondary. They're going to be probably a half dozen players that play the four or five spots back there, but it's it's uh that's a great situation to have. I think linebackers, linebackers are a little more interesting and and I think what Hugh Free said about it today was um a little surprising to some. I think they feel like they've got at least four linebackers that they really like. And heading into the heading into the spring, they weren't sure that there were any that they could count on. But I think right now, you look out there and you see uh, the two transfers in Austin Keys and Demario Tolan, and then um, returnees um, uh, in, in Eugene Asante and Cam Riley, but Robert Woodyard, I think, is really stepping up. And I... And, so I wondered, I saw, I think it was, uh, I think Jason uh, wrote over the weekend that it it might be about the time where they would take a look at Cam Riley at the edge because that's one of the things, uh, they're at that jack position, that's one of the things Hugh Freeze was talking about, got to have an explosive pass rusher. He said that um, Elijah McAllister is a leader, he's a great young man, but he was he didn't go on and say, and he's an explosive football player. I mean, he looks like he's a solid player. Keldrick Falk is probably the guy with the most or the highest ceiling there, but I don't know who they really have that is somebody that could just line up and is going to beat people into the backfield, going to beat that left tackle or whatever and get to the quarterback. And that's why there had been you know, some speculation about Powell Gordon, uh, Cam Riley, but I asked if they thought about moving anybody, and he said, no, not yet. So we'll see, you know, maybe perhaps after uh, they hit again this Friday, if, if, they, uh, if they feel like they need to make a move of anybody there, because that's a position where they, they you know, you don't want to have to be sending safeties and linebackers to try to get pressure on the quarterback. No, it's more important than ever before that, that you have. I mean, it's it's... 
And if you watch the you know the NFL drafts coming up in, in about a month, and you'll see the, the spots that the NFL prioritizes now: quarterback, receiver, pass rush on the you know, and 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 offensive tackle. You know, it's it's how how do you throw the ball? How do you protect uh, the guy throwing the ball? And how do you attack? The guy throwing the ball; those are more more than ever before. And how do you cover as well? I mean, corners mm-hmm. corners get. I think Auburn's too. in good shape there, and that's one spot yeah. where Auburn has veteran returnees that they feel great about. But yeah, where, where you get contributions along the front seven on the defensive line that that's that's going to be a big question the next uh, the, the next few uh, uh, the next few months. Yeah, what he did say is, um, you know, we we don't have a Derek Hall out there. We need a Derek Hall. And we don't have one. When he was talking about pro day, he came back to the Jack and said, that's, that's what we don't have. And what we're looking for right now is looking to add some. 334-321-1390. Back to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Daniel is up next. Hey, Daniel. Hey, guys. I, uh, I know we're talking about the field right now, but just one more comment on the court this past weekend. Sure. Um, I just, as I was looking at the box score, um, you know, the free throw percentage is the same as Shaq's is pretty horrific, but I'll say this, and I've been kind of frustrated with it all year, is just the underwhelming play of Dylan Cardwell, and I love the guy, brings great energy, and he lo- it's a chemistry contribution that he makes, but he didn't have one rebound the whole game. No, and for a guy that has such a big body... That's why he's out there, because he definitely doesn't contribute offensively. So it's for defense and rebounding, and he, he didn't even get one. And so it was just like, man. Yeah, I said that in the first hour. Uh, I mentioned in the first hour that something that really was obvious against Houston is Auburn just didn't have uh, – they weren't playing, weren't able to play above the rim. Houston could, and, and Auburn just uh, – something they really need. They need that eraser, that guy that's just uh, – um, is is a threat to um, alter, if not block, every shot and clean the boards. And that's something they, I mean, Janai, I, uh, I thought you know had had a great season for Auburn, but he's not, he, you know, he's not a guy that plays above the rim. That's just right. Not him. I mean, his bounce is just a little limited, and mm-hmm. that's just who he is. And I'm yeah. not hating on that. Oh no, kid, he does make up for it for his craft. And, um, but, you know, I love the guy. I love Cardwell. And we all do and we always have, you know, as far as his energy and everything. But, um, I tell you guys one thing, and it's the team that nobody's talking about that everybody should be, I think. And that's Creighton. And one of their best players is somebody Trey Alexander. Would have come yep. to Auburn. That's yep. right. And so nobody's talking about him, but I'm just telling everybody that's listening, Creighton is a problem. Creighton ought to so, be in the anyway. Elite Eight. I mean, you would think Creighton's going to be able to beat Princeton. So They're the, big, they're the biggest favorite in, yeah. the, in the next round. Creighton is a 10-point favorite on Friday night against Princeton, and then uh, that, that is the uh, most likely going to be Alabama. Alabama, the second biggest favorite in the in the second round. They got San Diego State in the uh, in the Sweet 16. But, yeah, Creighton has played very well and, and dispatched Baylor with a little challenge uh, over the weekend. Right, right. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate the call. Yeah. All right. The second half box is just a nightmare. I mean, it actually ends up looking better than it was because Auburn hit one of their first 18 shots. They end up four of 24 from the floor. Oh, five. And so I heard somebody going, I'm just sick and tired of watching Auburn just jack up three. Auburn only shot five threes in the second half. They were 0 for five. But I mean, it was, it was inside. 
But, I mean, 4 of 24 from the floor, 15 of 26 from the free throw line. You get out-rebounded 26 to 13, and you turn the ball over six times. I mean, everything across the board was just bad. I mean, Auburn, they, they turned it over. They couldn't hit shots. They couldn't hit free throws. And they got just dominated. Auburn, this is hard to believe from what you saw in the second half. Auburn led at halftime, rebounding 21 to 19. They end up getting out rebounded by 11. That's how you get uh, outscored 50 to 23 in the second half. Yeah, just a. And, and the first 8, 10, 12 minutes. Because, I mean, maybe Auburn started to get some sea legs and, you know, they hit, what, two shots down the stretch? But that... Oh, they hit what, two meaningless shots there at the end. Yeah. I mean, th- those. And remember the, the, the one that stopped the 10 and a half minute streak without a field goal was the. Uh, steal and layup by Wendell, just a breakaway when there was nobody around. Right, and the way, the, the way that Houston guarded the drive and kick game, and the and the way they just kept Auburn's guards from, you know, they, they would put Auburn's guards in a situation where Auburn's guards would look to pass the ball. There was no one there. Yeah, pass the ball. The, guard, the guards had to shoot. You know, in, in in those spots, and and they put up some ugly looking shots, or, or they or they they throw it to a forward who was who was you know out of position for a shot. But it was just a yeah, it was it was incredible defense by Houston. They showed you know why they got some of those superlatives going in. You know how how impressive they were. What 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 I worried about at the start of the second half is Jalen had a couple of the little teardrops, the little floaters that he usually has, and missed them. And usually he's deadly. I mean, Jalen took the most shots of anybody on Auburn's team. And just went five for fourteen, and he's usually an excellent uh, shooter. So I mean, it's just it's the way it was. Uh, but again, uh, twenty-one wins and another trip to the NCAA tournament as they uh, now look to um, try to improve on on this year while the rest, you know, while while the uh, tournament continues. I know we need to get to our final break so we can uh, uh, have our first Tiger Takes visit with Justin Kirby coming up here on the Monday Drive. Now, more of The Drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of the Monday Drive. Bill and Dan, Drew at the controls. And uh, right now, uh, we're, we're pleased to be joined for our weekly Tiger Take segment. Brought to you by Alsobrook Law Group. When you need legal assistance, call Zach. He's got your back. Or find him on the web at alsolaw.com. And uh, we are joined uh, by Auburn outfielder Justin Kirby here on this Tiger Takes. So we'll be talking to Justin throughout the baseball season. Uh, Justin, welcome into the drive. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Uh, doing pretty well. Hey, I was uh, uh, I was in Birmingham over the weekend where it was chilly. A little bit cooler, I believe, in, in Fayetteville, right? Yeah, just a bit. Just a bit. Man. Uh, Justin, what's the, what's the coldest conditions you've ever played a baseball game in in your life? Is there, is there a game or a weekend that comes to mind when you think? And, and you can even go, you know, moving away from cold to just sort of Un- Most unpleasant, yeah, uncomfortable, un- oh, yeah. unfavorable condition. Is there a game that, that comes to mind when you think of difficult conditions to play a baseball game in? Well, I think I'm only on here for 15 minutes, so it depends how much time you have. But I've played my fair share of uh, games in unpleasant weather. The sad thing is, though, the 
the weather in Fayetteville this weekend probably didn't get with like with wind chill probably didn't get much above high 30s, maybe low 40s, and I don't even think that this would have cracked the top 10 of coldest teams I've played in. And cold is, in my mind, cold is a whole lot worse to be playing in than, than hot. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think that just like one game that comes to mind, even last year, um, we played a series at Northern Illinois that I don't think the wind chill got above 15. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, Baumwalker Stadium was giving me a lot of NIU vibes, just, you know, plus about 10,000 people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, for, I mean, I didn't forget that you played in the MAC because, of course, you were at Kent State before coming to Auburn. But I suppose somebody who didn't play in the MAC would have, you know, an answer of, "Oh no, I've never seen anything like." Oh, uh, I heard, the uh, yeah, I heard some complaints over the weekend. Yeah. Of, well, this is the <laughs> coldest it's been. Man, I did a game way, way back before they. Uh, there were aluminum stands here, and we played Ole Miss in an opening series, and the wind chill was six. Mm-hmm. Six. There was me and another guy from SID in the stands, just sterno and fires in the dugouts and stuff like that. But, uh, mm-hmm. but man, that's uh, wanted to get. Obviously, let's let's get a little bit in, into the season. Really hate to look at this past weekend. It was one where you talk about cold, tough to get the bats going against that Arkansas staff and try to get anything going offensively. Yeah, it was a it was a tough weekend, but you know I think that. We're a good team, and we're going to use this as a learning experience for us moving forward. And um, it's important to, you know, it is under. It's important to understand that there is a sense of urgency in a baseball season. Um, you know, as I go into my fifth year of all this, I know it goes by really fast, and every weekend matters. Um, with that being said, it is uh, important to have a frame of mind and understand that you know this SEC season is almost you know, kind of, kind of its own thing. So approaching everything one weekend at a time, uh, using this as a learning experience and understanding that we still have nine really important weekends left. Right. Just 10%. I mean, that's just one series and it's on the road. I mean, you never want to be swept, but, uh, it is what it is. And you have to put that behind you. You guys, mm-hmm. uh, guys with, with a, a fun game tomorrow night over at Riverwalk stadium in Montgomery against South Alabama, uh, that's 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 a really neat venue getting to play there in a double A park. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, we'll see how it compares to the Trash Panda Stadium. Um, mm-hmm. I'm getting my I'm getting my own little tour of double uh, A baseball yeah. down here. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm uh, it's too bad that you don't get to go down to Mobile and play at Stanky Field or Pensacola, yeah. which is which yeah. is the which is the name of the stadium down in uh, mm-hmm. down, down in Mobile. Or yeah, the Blue Wahoos have a mm-hmm. great uh, a great park. Uh, down mm-hmm. in uh, down in Pensacola as well. So yeah, hopefully you'll get to see. Oh, and of course Birmingham. Uh, there, there's uh, you know the, the the great the great minor league stadium they've got there where the Barons play. So yeah, Alabama's got a, a surprisingly robust uh, lineup mm-hmm. of minor league and and college baseball stadiums, and hopefully you get to see a totally. lot of them uh, this year, Justin. Yeah, absolutely. Talking with uh, Justin Kirby, Auburn. Uh, uh, outfielder here on Tiger Tech with Tiger Takes. Uh, I know we, this this time we may be a little shorter on time because we've got the end of the show coming up. But I, I'd love for you to uh, just let folks know how you wound up. Uh, what was the uh, uh, what was or were the uh, deciding factors in uh, making the move to Auburn? Oh yeah, I mean I could I could talk about this all day too. It's just I think that w- one of the things that was the most important for me uh, in the transfer portal was. You know, obviously I want to go to a place where I can make an immediate impact, 
uh, with only one year left, you don't really you want to make sure that you're bringing some sort of value to a team. Um, but for me, I'm such a I'm a guy who's huge on uh, relationships and connections and getting to know people and wanting to be around people who want to get to know me. Um, and I think that all of these coaches uh, really embody that. And um, I think that's really the biggest thing for me was just the you kind of just a kind of a feel with the coaches and uh, what they stood for. And one of the things that makes this place so special, um, not only do the coaches understand who they are, but, but they preach a culture that really understands, you know, what it is and what it values. And um, I think that consistency is huge. And you understand that the coaches are going to be the same each day, win, lose, or draw. You know exactly what you're going to get. You know that they want the best out of you. Um, and then at the end of the day, they care about you no matter what. So, I mean, I could go on and on, but this place, this place is really special and, um, all the good things I heard about it are definitely true. So it's a really fun place to be. The community is awesome and I'm, I'm loving it and wish I could be here longer. Yeah, Justin, I, I'd love to know, um, and we, you know, we'll have, we'll have more time with you throughout the season, but, uh, so, so is the process you, you enter the portal after Kent State and, Auburn, Auburn contacts you. You contact Auburn. Was there a coach in particular that you you bonded with during the during the recruiting process before you chose Auburn? Um, yeah. So, really, what happened was our season ended. I want to say about May 29th. Um, it takes like two or three days to officially be in the portal. Um, I got a I got an email on, I believe, a Tuesday morning that said, hey, you're officially in. It was like 9 a.m. Hmm. Uh, you're officially in the transfer portal. And almost instantaneously, my phone starts buzzing with just <laughs> uh, like texts and calls and follows on Twitter and emails. And um, honestly, like I, like, I don't want to sound boastful by any means, but it was a bit overwhelming, especially for someone who, you know, I never really had much of a recruiting experience out of high school. So... This was kind of, it was what I always kind of dreamed of, but it was also definitely a bit overwhelming to actually have to make like a certain decision and, you know, where there's a potential to have some sort of buyer's remorse. It's a little stressful, but, uh, you know, Aaron Everett was the first to reach out to me, actually. He called me one night and I spoke with him and I just felt like a real connection right off the bat. Um, and it felt very genuine. And I think within maybe like, two days I'd spoken to three different Auburn coaches so I was like wow these these guys are you know they really do have an interest in me and every single conversation I had with them I kept feeling more and more like this is the place that you know really uh, fits in with what I want. Glad to have you here Justin we're back up against our top of the hour break uh, let everybody know how they can follow you uh, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at jcurbs15 um, or Instagram at underscore Justin Kirby underscore. Um, I'd like to think I have a fairly decent social media presence. Um, you all can make that. You all can make that even better. <laughs> we'll, we, we'll do what we can, Justin. We're out of time, man. Really appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you through the season. Best of luck tomorrow night and this weekend, obviously against the dogs. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so much, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you guys for the rest of the season. We are out of time. That's going to wrap things up for the Monday edition of The Drive. Have a good one, everybody. We are out of here.